Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We're going to carry on uh, with our, our study, but before we, we do that, I just want to say thank you and welcome to, to each and every one of you. Uh, uh, I want to welcome uh, our visitors here this morning. Lovely to see Michael and Anita back, and lovely to see each and every one of you. You're special, you know that. I hope you do. Hallelujah. So we're carrying on. We started last week with our study on faith, and I uh, feel that this is going to be something that we're going to be carrying on for a little while. Uh, of course, next week uh, it will be uh, Easter, so we'll break for that. But when we come back after the school holidays, we will pick up the study on faith, because faith can move mountains. Amen. Amen. So let's just ask God's blessing upon the word and ask that he would break it as bread and feed us this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for your love for us. Lord, we are so unworthy. We are so, uh, Lord, in need of that, that wonderful grace that you bestowed upon us. Thank you, Lord, that it was love that motivated you to the cross. It was love that, that drew us near to you. And so we thank you for your incredible sacrifice and for the work that you've done to save us and to redeem us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would take this word that we're going to look at this morning, that you would break it as bread to us, that you would feed us. Lord, it's your word. Let it find a resting place in our hearts. May our minds be open and our spirit open to all that the Holy Spirit would say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, when I was living in England, um, I was, uh, I'm a bit of a, a sports fanatic, and I like to follow everything, and uh, I guess it's my competitive nature, uh, but Alex Ferguson was in, in Manchester, just down the road from us, and he was having a rather unprecedented run of success, and in actual fact, um, when he took over, when he first took over Manchester United, even though he had won the, the FA Cup the previous year. There were many in the club that doubted his ability to, to go on and succeed, where so many others had failed for the, 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 the club to succeed. But by the end of his reign uh, as the manager of Manchester United, he had a glittering array, unprecedented uh, in, uh, in Manu history of all the titles he won. He won for you sports fanatics, okay? You ladies just bear with me, right? He won two championships and, uh, and one league title, uh, 13 premiership titles, five FA Cups, four league cups, 10 community shield, and one European Cup Winners uh, Cup. Ferguson was the most successful man in Manchester United history. Now, going back a few years, I was in America and uh, I, I lived in Dallas, so I, I followed the Dallas Cowboys, or at least tried to complicate the game. But uh, there, there was a, 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 a manager there, um, and his name was Tom Landry. And Tom Landry uh, was a, a, a legend uh, at the time. They called him the goat. It, it wasn't an insult, it was a, a, a term of endearment. Goat was an acronym for the greatest of all time. For those of you who don't know, but uh, he actually won 250 league games and 20 championship titles. And so he was one of the most uh, successful uh, managers on, in the FA uh, of all time. So what's that got to do with the message, you wonder? Okay, I want to say to you that both these legendary coaches were asked the same question. What is the secret of your success? 
Now bear in mind, Manchester's in England, and on the other side of the world, you have the Americans playing NFL. So two different codes on the other side of the world, two incredibly successful managers, unprecedented. And they were asked what the secret of. Both asked the same question. You know, amazingly, they both gave the same answer. There might be something in this, don't you think? (laughs) You know what they said? What is the secret of your success? Both managers said, we went over the basics over and over and over. And I believe that because they they had the basics down pat, that they could actually uh, rise and succeed in an incredible way. I think there's something very powerful in understanding the basics of our Christian faith. Can you say amen? Amen. It's, that's what we're going to be looking at. If you get your Bibles, with you, I'd like to invite you to turn in the Word of God to Mark chapter 11. And uh, we're going to be looking at that particular passage of Scripture. And uh, this, this, this setting, the story that we're going to be looking at, is set at the Passion Week. This is the last week of Jesus' life and His ministry. And uh, it, it's a very important uh, moment in His life. And uh, Jesus had been staying with Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany, and then every day he would go into Jerusalem, and in the evening he would return to Bethany. He was staying there. Um, it's interesting that the word Bethany, some scholars will tell you that Bethany can be interpreted as the, the, the house of the poor. Bethany, the house of the poor. That's it's, it's one of the interpretations that can be. And this story that we're going to look at may lend some credence to that. And so, let's read from Mark 11, chapter and verse 12, and we'll read 12 and 14. It said, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, and he was staying at the house of the poor. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came there, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now, bear in mind that this this was quite a way off. So Jesus wasn't whispering. He spoke really loud and and he cleared. You need to understand that in Israel, they have a variety of different figs, trees uh, growing. And uh, as a result of that, some of the the varieties, when when they put forth leaves, they, they have fruit. Although not every variety does that. And so when Jesus saw a fig tree in the distance having leaves, he thought, oh, maybe there's some fruit there. And he went and, you, you know, the rest, hey, um, he's, he curses the fig tree out loud and uh, said, no man eat from the thereafter. And his disciples heard it, you know. I'm just wondering, if you, have you ever placed yourself in, in the shoes of the disciples at this stage? You know, Jesus is running off uh, into the distance and talking to trees. And I, I, I think, man, they've got to wonder about Jesus. You know, I hope Jesus is okay. After all, he's been speaking to fevers, he's been speaking to the wind, he spoke to the storm, and now he's speaking to trees, and nothing's happening. Every time before that, he spoke and something happened. I'm wondering what the disciples were thinking when Jesus speaks to the tree, and nothing actually happens. So he goes from there, and he, he walks into Jerusalem, and uh, he starts overturning the tables of the money changers and the, and the seats of those who sold doves. He's starting to, to get a little bit uh, 
uh, a little bit angry. And uh, it's very interesting that the, 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 the word that is described in the Greek uh, for when he overturns is the Greek word ekbalo, ekbalo. And so it, it literally means, it's a powerful word, it means to eject or to thrust, to push somebody violently. So this is not little gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus is having a full-blown cadenza, uh, and he's throwing everybody out the temple. In fact, verse 18 says that they were afraid of him. Now you can begin to get the picture. Jesus wasn't saying, oh, please, there's a door. Would, would you like to go? No, he's shoving them out of here. He said, you made my, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves, and he's pushing them out. And it's quite, it's quite a powerful scene, you know. And I'm thinking that the disciples must have been looking at it and thinking, gee, Lord, what, what's going on? And Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you, you guys have made it a den of thieves. The disciples must have been concerned, you know. Um, now he's calling the temple in Jerusalem, God's house, my house. Is he loosely referring to Isaiah 57? Or is, is he trying to say something else? Is he trying to make a greater claim than just that? I think the disciples must have been, by this stage, must have been looking at each other. Jesus overturning tables and, and what are you doing, Jesus? You know, you, this is not like you. And so it's kind of a, 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 an interesting scenario, this picture that's going on. Right? So after that, that night, the Bible says, as they went back to uh, Bethany, nothing seems to have happened to the fig tree. I wonder what the disciples were thinking. Is Jesus losing it? Nothing has happened. Um, everything looks exactly the same. feels the same. The battle is on. And here's where the fight of faith uh, uh, fails for so many. You know, I, I think about this whole scenario. Jesus speaks the word and nothing happens. That encourages me. Because I've done the same thing. I've spoken and nothing happens. And Jesus went through this experience. But he didn't panic. He wasn't uh, overwrought. He just carried on and was patient. And it was amazing. We often do that. We, we fight the fight of faith and we fail because we speak the word, word. And when nothing happens, because we still feel the pain or the bills are still coming in, and, or we keep falling back into that same old sin over and over again, we get frustrated because there's no visible change. This thing is not working. And we're prone to give up at that point. Have you ever had a faith failure? <laughs> oh, thank goodness. I, I thought I was speaking to a group of saints here. <laughs> I love you. You see, we've all had this experience where we, we started out to believe God and it, it failed. We're going to look at that and see why that is. So they become frustrated, discouraged, disheartened, and depressed uh, as a result. I've tried it. I've tried this faith business, and it doesn't work. It just did. You know, they believed in their heart, they spoke it out, and it happened just the way. They only did it negatively. They said, I've, I've tried it, I believe it doesn't work, and it didn't work for them. It's, faith. it's the reverse of faith. It's what they, they were doing it exactly the wrong way around. And so we need to take heed of that. We also need to take heed of this particular story found a verse found in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience 
inherit the promises. This is a wonderful verse because it tells us how to inherit the promises of God. How to get hold of the blessings. It's good to know, don't you think? And it says it happens through faith and patience. That's how we get our grubby little myths on everything that God has for us when we start to walk in faith and patience. So let's have a look see, uh, break this verse down because it's so important. It says that you be not slothful. That's the Greek word nothros or nothros um, as, as they pronounce it, nothros. And it, seemed, it really means to be dumb, uh, to be dull or foolish. The root word, where this word comes from, actually means to be lazy or stupid. Uh, so, uh, when the translators came to this word, uh, you know, they, they were kind of diplomatic and said, don't be slothful. But it, you could translate it this way. Um, this is not a, a gentle, um, you know, genteel verse. Um, and I'm glad I didn't say it. The Holy Spirit said this. But you could translate it this way, and you'd be totally right. Uh, don't be dumb, stupid, or lazy, uh, because that's the root word. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. It's gone very quiet in this Baptist church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you notice that there are two elements uh, in, in, in receiving the inheritance of God? To receiving from God. Faith and patience. Okay, these two elements. And we, we often talk about faith, but we often omit the, the, the struggle of patience. And so we need to look at that word and begin to see what it means. It's makrofumia. And makrofumia actually means uh, to uh, endure. It means to hang in there, uh, to be patient, and uh, to be long-suffering. And so you know, sometimes we think, oh, all I've got to do is speak the word, and, and that's the end of my problems. And if it doesn't change immediately, then, you know, this stuff doesn't work. But it's the patience aspect of the Christian walk that we need to put emphasis on because many times even Jesus spoke the word and nothing appeared to happen. And that's where we, we lose, um, lose it because we are not patient, we're not long-suffering and we don't endure long enough. We need to be like the snail that climbed the tree in the middle of winter and as he's inching his way up the tree, a worm sticks his head out the, the, the crevice and he says to the snail, he said, you're wasting your time. There isn't a single apple tree, uh, apple left on this tree. The snail keeps on going up and keeps on going up. He said, you're wasting your time. There isn't a single apple there. And the snail carries on going. He turns over his shoulder and he says, I know, but by the time I get up there, there will be. <laughs> We need to be a little bit like the snail. We need some endurance. We need some patience. When we confess the word of God, give God time to do the work that he needs to do in us. Of course, God could do it instantaneously. But how many know that when, when there's a need in our life, that's often the way God uses things to minister to us? Amen? Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we see that, that it becomes really important. Patience and endurance, we inherit the promise. Okay. I, I love documentaries, and uh, I, I want to share a story uh, that, uh, about a, a documentary called Cooper's Treasure. And if you've, if you've never seen it, it's well worth it. Cooper's Treasure is about these group of explorers who are going and exploring the, the ocean depth for, for sunken treasure from the old Spanish galleons. 
And uh, it's an incredible, incredible story, Cooper's Treasure. Uh, this one guy who actually leads the expedition is called Daryl Nicholas. And he's having a really bad season. Uh, he's owed a lot of money and his guys are just not paying up. He, he's become injured uh, in the course of searching for treasure. And he's finding absolutely nothing. And he's discouraged. He's broken. He's at the, he's at the point of giving up. And in actual fact, uh, he's sitting on the, the bow of his boat and he's dressed in his scuba gear and he makes up his mind at this point. He said, this is it. This is the very last dive. I am done. I'm going to sell the boat. I'm done treasure hunting. I'm out of here. And he slips over the boat, side of the boat, goes down to the bottom ocean and discovers 51 gold coins. One gold coin in particular was worth half a million dollars alone. He found 51 of them. The total haul of treasure was estimated at 75 million New Zealand dollars. The question I want to pose to you is what would have happened if he said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to enjoy, I'm not going to be, I'm done with this, I'm not even going to dive today. You know, I think that, that that happens to so many Christians. He would have quit on his last night, run out of patience and walked away. I believe our inheritance in God is infinitely worth more than money. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, I think what happens is many people in, in, in Christendom have got lazy, run out of patience, and walked away and never received from God. Do you know anybody like that? Have you ever been in that situation? Yeah. When nothing happened, Jesus kept on going. He was patient. He endured. Because Jesus knew that heaven and earth would pass away, but His word would not pass away. Amen? Amen. He understood what Isaiah said in Isaiah 55. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Hmm. So that's, that's amazing. But that's Jesus. Hmm. Well, do you know that the word of God in my mouth is as powerful as the word of God in Jesus' mouth? Because it's still the Word of God. And it's the Word of God that has the power. And so when God says something, it is endued with power and authority. And so we need to, be, we need to understand the, the power of words. Christ understood the power of words. And He's about to teach His disciples the dynamic principles of faith and how to inherit from the, in the kingdom of God. And so, verse 19 and 20 of Mark 11. And when he was come out of the city, uh, uh, he, sorry, and when he was come, uh, he went out of the city, and in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Remember, to begin with, nothing had happened. Nothing had changed. Everything was exactly the same. This morning they come out and they see this fig tree is withered up. And the disciples get all excited. I want to say to you, this miracle, like all miracles, begins in the unseen realm. That's where miracles begin, in the, in the area or the arena of the unseen. And so we need to be patient, we need to endure while the thing is still unseen. Can I have an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 
And so it's very important. This miracle was happening in the, it shriveled up by the roots. It shriveled up underground. You couldn't see it, but it was, the miracle was happening right underground in the unseen realm. So, God works in the unseen. When you can't see it, when you can't feel it, He's working. Keep the faith. Keep believing. Be patient. Your miracle is coming. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, God works in the unseen realm. What does He say to the church? He writes to the, the Corinthians, and He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, uh, what, you know, that, that while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That word temporal, the things that are seen are temporal, means it is temporary. It means subject to change. So if you can see it, it's temporal. It's subject to change. Can you see your sickness? Amen. You can see sickness. So it's temporal and subject to change. Can you see poverty? Yes, it's subject to change. Can you see bondage? It's subject to change. Anything you can see is subject to change. It's temporal. Thank you. I'm not telling you that. This is the power of the Holy Spirit Amen. revealing His Word to the Corinthian church. He's saying, man, if it's unseen, it's eternal. But if it's seen, it's temporal and subject to change. Amen. That's wonderful news. Because your problems are mostly seen. You can see your difficulties. You can see your bank balances in the red. You can see so many of the difficulties we we encounter. And God is saying, if, it, if you can see it, it's subject to change. It's the unseen things that are eternal, everlasting, enduring forever. I remember when I was a young Christian, and I was trying to believe God, and I was struggling a bit. Uh, a lady came up to me and she said, Don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Amen. And it was like, boom! Yeah. I, it made sense. I suddenly saw what she was saying. That God had spoken, given me a promise, and when I was going through the, the, the darkness, when I was going through this time, all I needed to do was to be patient because God's answer was on its way. And boy, I've got my, I've got my, my victory. I, I don't actually remember what I was believing for, except I remember I've got my answer, and, and, and that, that little phrase has stayed with me all my life. You know, I, I, some of you won't have heard the story, but my son, um, when we were living in England, got incredibly ill, and uh, we, we took him to the doctor, and they, they ran batteries of tests on him, and. Uh, it, it was not good news. Uh, when, when they discovered what was wrong with him, they, they said, uh, I'm sorry, uh, but your, your son is incredibly sick, and uh, he's probably going to die young. And when they said that, it was like a knife went through my heart. We, we, we and I looked at each other, we couldn't believe that our son was only like 12 years old. We, we, we're hearing his death sentence being uh, prescribed. He said, you know, before he dies, he's going to die young, but before he dies, uh, he, he's going to be in a wheelchair, he's going to have to have uh, a blood transfusion, and he's going to have to have a kidney transfer, but it's, it's not good. And my whole world just started to spin, and I thought, no! I am not having this! Amen. 
I will not. There was something militant that rose up in me. I said, I am not going to receive. I am fighting for my son. God has promised by his stripes, he will be healed. I am believing that. And Fee and I walked out of that place and said, we, are, we rejected the, the, everything that the doctor said. So let me tell you a little bit about, about the medical background. He was losing protein because his kidneys were failing. And the, the normal protein loss is about 25 grams per unit. And uh, if it gets very serious, it's about 100 grams per unit. Well, Rich wasn't, wasn't at 100 grams. He wasn't even at 250 grams or 500 grams or 750, not even 1,000. He was losing 1,200 units of protein per unit. I mean, he was in critical condition. They were saying, he's going to be in a wheelchair, he's going to have to have a kidney transplant, and he's going to die young. And Fee and I, they said to us, he will never lead a normal life. Never. And I, I remember sitting to, saying to the doctor, I said, what is the chances are that, that he will just recover naturally? And the guy was really rude and quite vicious. He said, get that, that stupid idea out of your mind. It'll never happen. And I said, no, Jesus, Jesus. I just, Fee and I were looking at it and just saying, no, this is not going to happen. And we would go home and we would declare the promises of God that by his stripes we are healed. We are not accepting this report. We believe that God's word is the truth. And we'd speak the word and we'd pray the word over him and we'd go to the doctor every two weeks. And every two weeks it was getting worse and worse and worse and worse. It went on for six months, 12 months, 18 months. Every time we went, it was worse. And we just said, we just said, we don't receive it. We don't. God's word will not fail us. God's word can be trusted. God is faithful. Amen. And we said, we, we believe God's going to break through. When it was over 1,200 uh, grams per unit, we went there and uh, uh, he, he did the test. And he came back and said, we need to do the test again. Uh, but you, you've just done it. He, he went and he said, no, just let, me, let me do it again. There's something went wrong with the test. So he did it, uh, and uh, in, instead of being 1,200 grams, it came back, it was 75 grams. Over 1,000 grams vanished overnight. We came back the next week, and it was totally normal. Praise God. Totally normal. The doctor was dumbfounded. And, and he said, I don't understand. I said, it's a miracle. Jesus performed a miracle. He said, he must have. <laughs> you know, my son has led an absolutely normal life. This is when he was about 12 years old. But more than 25 years ago, he uh, has absolutely uh, led a normal life. He played rugby, he does boxing, he did, he did every crazy, stupid thing that teenagers do. He's running his own business and he says to me, Dad, I'm thinking about retiring soon. I thought, how can he retire before me? That's not right. But he has had a totally normal life. And I believe that God's word works. Can you say amen? amen. God's word amen. works. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what they tell you. What's important is what God has told you. That's what is important. You see, Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in your loving Father. 
Folks, he's got good plans for you. The plans that God has are for good and not for evil. Amen. Have faith in God who created the heavens and the earth, who parts the seas, who calms the storm. Have faith in God who raises the dead, who made the sun and the moon to stand still. Have faith in God who turned water into wine and made a donkey speak. I know some of you are thinking, God's doing that miracle again. (laughs) This guy's ass. Be more charitable, that's what I can say. (laughs) But you know, God is big enough to handle your problems. Mm, God loves you so much that if if you will just trust your Father, He will see you through because He is a faithful and wonderful God. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. With God... All things are possible. Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. You know, if if I had said that, I'd have no credibility. But this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Would you say with me, I have faith in God? I have faith in God. With whom all things are possible. I have faith in God with whom all things are possible. Once more, I have faith in God with whom all things are possible. Now tell it to the devil and the prince of Galilee and powers and say it like him in I have faith in God with whom all things are possible. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the mighty God that we serve. We often hear people just say, just have faith, you know. All you need is faith. No, folks. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith in our God. It's really about a relationship. It's not a mantra. It's about a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when we, when we know that our Father loves us and wants the very best for us, we, we can trust Him and believe in Him. So, we have faith in God. Faith in who God is. El Shaddai. The God who is more than enough. The mighty God. The all-sufficient one. Have faith in Him. Mm-hmm. Our God says, and I love I mentioned it a little bit earlier, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Our God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in times of trouble. trouble. Amen. Our God, the Lord reigneth he is clothed with majesty. He is clothed with strength. Amen. You know, he is our strength, he is our hope, and he is our rest. Can you shout amen? Amen. Let's, let's go on. Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Man, this is the Son of God who rose from the dead saying this. Faith is released through our words. Faith is voice activated. And if we can get a hold of that, we can change the world. We can change our world. We can change any environment. When we start to proclaim the will of God as a child of God. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, we are far more powerful than we think. The devil has duped some of us to think, yeah, I'm just a housewife, I'm just a dumb No, we are powerful. 
We have Christ in us. We have the Holy Ghost upon us. We are anointed with the same anointing of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Some of you are not sure about that. Let's look at the anointing of Jesus. We are powerful. Look at what Jesus said. Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. That's us. Check. Yeah. Okay. Let's read on. Same anointing. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. That's us. Check. He sent me, uh, sorry, uh, to, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, the recovering of the sight to the blind. Check. Check. To release the oppressed. Check. Yeah. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah. Check. Yeah. Everything that Jesus was commissioned to do, God has commissioned you and I. We have the same anointing. <coughs> we have the same mandate. We have the same great commission mm-hmm. as the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I want to say to you, there is a miracle in your mouth. There is a miracle in your mouth. The things you say are powerful. Jesus who overcame the devil, death, hell, the grave. Jesus, the living word, God in the flesh, said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. It'll happen. It'll happen. Jesus' credentials... If Jesus hadn't risen from the grave, then nobody would pay attention to something like this. It sounds foolish. But because He's risen, because He is God Almighty, He has He has the power to instruct us. So, what do you, what do you need from the Lord? What are you trying to believe God for this morning? Find a promise in the Scriptures that covers your need. And start professing, proclaiming, and declaring that. Amen. Amen. When I heard that, I thought I'd won the lottery. (laughs) When that gets down into your spirit and you really believe it, you've got an amazing gift from the Heavenly Father. Can you say amen? Amen. So, say it and don't doubt. Jesus teaches us that we shall have whatsoever He says. There is a miracle in your mouth. If you persist, if you believe, and doubt not. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. So we need to have faith in God. We need to endure and we need to proclaim the word. I want to draw your attention to another section about faith. It's found in Romans 10, 8, 9 and 10. And we need to understand this because it really opens the door. We, we often don't get, get the full impact of these particular verses. So I'm reading to you from Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee in thy heart. Uh, sorry, in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if we confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Mm-hmm. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Can you say amen? Amen. So, I want to draw your attention uh, that, to the fact that God has given us a word for every situation that we encounter. We just read that, that the, the word of faith begins in the mouth. That's why, if you want to see God break through in your mouth, in your life, you must put the Word of God in your mouth. You must memorize it. You must not be lazy and slothful if you want to see the power of God released. How do we do that? We put the Word of God in our mouth over 
and over mm. and over Amen. again. The word is mighty even in that. As you start to memorize the scripture and you're saying it over and over, an amazing thing takes place. There's a transformation. Suddenly the words in your mouth journey to your heart mm. and faith is released. Mm. Suddenly you, the, the, you're not just saying the word of Faith is released, and there's power in the Word of God. Can we say amen? We then can enter into the into the realm of the supernatural, into the realm of the Spirit, because suddenly that Word of God has come alive in our heart. Faith is released. Now, so it's first in our heart, and, uh, first in our mouth, and then in our heart. Okay, so after that happens... Miracles become possible. And this is how we experience the greatest miracle ever. This is how it happened. You started to confess that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior, that He died for you and rose again from you. You confessed that, you believed it in your heart, and you were born again. That is the most powerful miracle that can happen to a human being. You pass from death unto life. <coughs> and it happened because you said it and you believed it. And so this is the principle that we need to hang on to here. Okay? So we need to we need to speak the word of God. Whatever your mountain is, you keep you keep speaking the promise. Keep speaking the promise. Make sure it's in your mouth. Keep repeating it over and over. And suddenly it's going to drop into your heart. And faith is going to be released. You're going to move into the miraculous and you're going to receive your answer. <coughs> Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and just believe in the heart. That God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When our words and our heart unite, power is released. When our words and our heart unite, power is released, and we enter into the realm of the supernatural. Mountains are moved, the sick are healed, the dead are raised when there is the word of God coming out of us, out of our heart. Can you say amen? Amen. So Mountains move, sick hills, the dead are raised. Our words contain mountain-moving authority. Mm-hmm. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Mountain-moving authority. I looked at that word for a definition of authority, and I came across this. Authority is the power or the right to give orders. <laughs> the right or the power to give orders and enforce obedience. Man, you've got to be careful who you say this to. <laughs> but that's what, that's what it really means. The authority is the power or the right to give orders and to enforce obedience. You know, every child of God has been given this power, has been given this right. You, where you sit now, have been given this power and this right. You say, when? Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, Behold, look carefully. There's something amazing happening in this verse. That's what the word behold means. So, behold, I give unto you power. It's a Greek word dunamis, and it means miracle working ability. Jesus is saying, I'm giving unto you miracle working power that you can tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Every believer has power over the enemy. Every child of God has this authority. Are you excited about it? Yes. I am. So, when you speak the word of God, you are giving orders in the spiritual realm. You are enforcing 
the devil's compliance. Yes. <laughs> you know, I used to think that I was terrified from, from the devil. But the Bible says that if you submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. And so when you understand that Christ has given you this power and this authority, you can issue orders in the spiritual realm. You can enforce the devil's obedience. You're going to get your victory. Can you say that? Amen. So, look at verse 10 of Romans 10, 9 and 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There are two processes here. Two processes. Believing unto righteousness. So we exercise faith in the finished work of Calvary, the finished work of Christ on the cross. We've been made righteous by Christ's atoning work. That's what we believe, amen? amen. So righteousness comes by faith. On the other hand, salvation is by confession. That's what it says. Listen to it again. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Hmm. Stop and let that think in. Just for a moment. That, 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 your, that confession, uh, you, and with the things that comes out of your mouth, your confession is made unto salvation. It's a very interesting word. It's a very big word in actual fact in the scriptures. It's the Greek word soteria. And soteria doesn't just mean that you, that you say. It means saved, healed, and delivered. Amen. It's an inclusive word. And so we would be totally justified to translate it this way. With the mouth, by the things I say, my confession, confession is made unto healing. Confession Amen. is made unto deliverance. Amen. Confession is made unto salvation. Soteria. It's the same word, soteria, in each case. So if you only confess salvation, salvation is what you get, and only salvation. And most of the church has stopped right here. And that's all they get. We must confess and decree that we are saved. Mm. We must confess and decree that we are healed. <clears throat> Don't go by what you see. Be patient and it will be manifest. Confess and decree that we have been delivered. By the mouth, confession is made unto all these things. Salvation, healing, and deliverance. That's what it's saying. So, let me give you a phrase that you can hang on to. Confession brings possession. Amen? Amen. Confession, when you're confessing the word of God, believing it, not doubting in your heart, walking in faith and patience, waiting in the time you will receive what God has for you. Hallelujah. Confession brings possession. Isn't that what Jesus did at the fig tree? He spoke words. He confessed things. He said, no man eat fruit from thee hereafter. He said it, and he received it. He possessed it. And Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. I think when we get to glory, we're going to be absolutely stunned 
when we fully understand what God intended for the church to be, and we look at the pitiful, weak, and, and, and anemic church that it is, we can say, oh God, I'm so sorry. You've done so much, and we received so little. I want to change that. Amen. I want all of us to receive everything that God has. I don't know about you, but that's your passion of my life. Amen. I want everything that Amen. God has for me. Amen. So, even in the Old Testament, there's, there's a beautiful verse, Job 22 and 28. Thou, he's speaking about the context. is really interesting. If you go back, and, and it's really wonderful. We haven't got time to go into that. But, but he's talking about the repentant man, the man who comes back to God. And then verse 28, he says, Thou, the repentant man, shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and light shall shine upon thy ways. Hallelujah. You shall decree a thing, and it shall come to pass. That's what it's saying. What, it's agreeing with what Jesus has been saying. You speak to your mountain, and it shall be removed. Hallelujah. So, righteousness is by faith, Romans 10, 9 and 10. But salvation comes by confessing, by what we confess and decree. Don't just stop at salvation, decree, hey man, I am not going to be sick. I'm not tolerating this anymore. I'm going to walk in the power and the anointing. I'm going to receive my miracle. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm determined. I'm <coughs> Excuse me. I'm getting excited. <laughs> I really am. So righteousness comes by faith, but salvation, superior, salvation, healing, and deliverance comes by what we say. So you've got to exercise your authority, give orders, enforce the devil's obedience. We have power and authority. When you realize this, you will no longer be intimidated by the devil. I was sharing this, uh, preaching like this when I first went into the ministry and a man came up to me and he said boy you better watch out uh, I said why? he said man the things you are saying the devil is going to be after you <laughs> and I said to him brother let him come because I'm submitted unto God and the Bible says that if we submit ourselves unto God we resisted him he's going to run from me Amen. I don't know whether he got that, but we yeah. never saw him again in church. <laughs> Maybe he thought the rock Satan was coming down. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. Praise God. But that's the truth, isn't it? This is what God intends for the church. We have power and authority. As I've read this up, we have power and authority to drive the devil from our lives, from our homes, and from our loved ones. Don't settle for what you have. Believe God for more. Believe God for a miracle. Faith is voice activated. There is a miracle in your mouth. Speak to your mountain. Cast it into the sea. Speak and doubt not. And you will have whatsoever you say. Jesus said that. All things are possible to him that believe it. Believe and doubt not. Jesus said only believe. Decree and it will be established. Through patience and faith. You will inherit the promises. So stand your ground. Don't give up. Keep on declaring the, the will of God, the word of God, and you will receive the hand of God at work. Can you say amen? amen. amen. Praise God. It's a dark hint in the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I know that many uh, in 
this place are facing great challenges, big difficulties in their life. And I believe, Lord, you've given us one of the keys of the kingdom this morning, that by faith we can move mountains if we believe and doubt not and just speak the word of God. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that the battles that they're fighting, whether it's with wayward children, sickness, marriage problems, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, your, your word is the answer. And so I pray for myself and for each and every person that's listening to this message, Lord, that faith will arise in their hearts, that they would go out of here, Lord, with a new determination to decree and, uh, Lord, to enforce the devil's obedience. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' glorious and wonderful name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.